0: Hello and welcome to episode 51 of the Freo Big Footy Podcast. This week we'll be having a look at our first NAB Challenge Cup game down at Fremantle Oval against the Melbourne Demons and we'll also be touching on a few other little bits and pieces such as contract news throughout the week. Joining us is our usual resident Victorian expert, Seppo, how are you mate?
1: I'm good, Centurions, and I'm glad to have football back. It's great to get that first NAB Challenge game out of the way.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and it was a... Uh, Nice warm day for the boys down there with a, uh, you know, low 30s. And you could certainly see the uh, boys are sweating it out in the first half there in particular. And uh, obviously most of the crowd sort of hovering down one end trying to stay out of the sun. At the end of the day, Seppo Fremantle managed to get over the line uh, in a reasonably scrappy game. Nine goals, 7-61 to Melbourne, who were 6-7-43. So in the end, a sort of relatively comfortable 18-point victory for Fremantle, but it certainly wasn't a game that lived up to any major hype, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, certainly one for uh, blowing out the cobwebs, and it's just good to see um, the guys get through with sort of an okay couple of highlights here and there, but it's just, yeah, just good to get a a result. I really expected Melbourne to um, push us and even get a win, but um, it's great to see that at least there's no major long-term injuries coming out of this one.
0: Yeah, I suppose that's the main thing you added. You know, particularly after last week, we saw with West Coast with McKenzie and also with uh, the Bulldogs and Liberator. You just at this stage you want to get all the guys some match fitness, but at the same time you certainly don't want anyone going down in any sort of uh, injury cloud. And unfortunately, we did have a couple of guys uh, pick up a few niggles with both Barlow and Mundy getting ankle injuries, and then um, Duffield towards the end there getting a coming off with, with what looked to like to me as a uh, Either collarbone or shoulder injury, but uh, Ross Lyon was saying a rib injury. So, but uh, one of the big footy guys—I can't remember who it was—saying that when you looked at the sort of vision on the on the game, he sort of fell down in the goal square, and you thought, you know, landing on the elbow was a classic collarbone type injury. But obviously, he was running around a little bit later on, and then maybe copped a knock in the rib somewhere. But um, let's just hope that's all it is, and he'll be good to go.
1: Mm, something like that. Hopefully, may not see him out missing round one, but. Yeah, it's it's good that we, if we can get out with just those little minor injuries and obviously uh, just taking off Barlow and Mundy towards the end is a good precautionary thing. And even Pav, he looked like he was um, on the sidelines early and I was worried that his ankle was getting looked at, but the way he came out was um, a good sign and, um, gosh, there were some players like McFarlane out there who were just uh, winding back the clock and, and putting on a good show.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So did out of the uh, game, Seppo itself, uh, did anyone stand out for you as... Um... Having a particularly good
1: game? Um, I think Hill, Walters and Tabernard would be my three best. Um, I know Neil and and Clancy had good games on the stat sheet, but those guys just oozed a bit of class in terms of Hill and Walters and they look like they've just transferred everything that you've been reading out and that we've seen briefly down at training just into a game. And uh, I suppose they need a couple more skillful players to link up with, but what they did was uh, just sublime and... It looked like they did it with half effort, the way that Hill would burn off a couple of people and Walters just turned a couple inside out um, and Tabiner was pretty exciting to see. We all expected one of Tabiner or Apness to finally start going and Tabiner's got that extra year development on Aptness, So he's uh, he, he really took a good couple of grabs and, and led well and ran a lot and if, if that's what we've got to expect, he may go missing and not clunk them or kick them all but... You know, he's had a, a couple of critics on the board with the kicking style, but he certainly uh, slotted them at that end of the ground. Um, actually, both ends, I think, for his three goals. And, yeah, he looked really good. And, and I think maybe the uh, forward structure doesn't lend itself to having too many tools. Obviously, they, they control what they like in the NAB Cup, and we probably won't see that same, you know, two Ruckman with Pav, Taverner and Apnes. Um Can't imagine we'd ever line up like that. But, uh, yeah, it's just interesting to see.
0: Yeah, I think... Uh... All the pre-season reports and uh, that sort of thing have probably shown that you thought Atness might have taken that step and uh, maybe even gone slightly ahead, but uh, Tabernacle showed clearly yesterday that he's still um, probably the better of those options, and as you said, he does have an awkward kicking style, but he did kick three goals straight yesterday, and you can't ask for more, much more than that. I mean, you know, as I said, granted, a few of them weren't the outside, you know, near the 50 range, but as I said, if he keeps taking those marks and presenting well, he just he's just going to keep that other defender honest and... Uh, Certainly give a little bit more space to Pavan though. And even if he can bring the ball to ground and allow, as you said, the likes of Walters and Ballantyne and Crozier to uh, get down there and sort of do their work, um, he'll he'll have done his job. And I could just think to the goals that
1: probably one or two that Pavan and Taverner scored was just a beautiful delivery by Hill and Walters. And and one was, a a commentator's picked up on it, the uh, outside of the left foot pushing to Pavan's space by Walters. And I think Hilly, for Taverner's last goal, he was... um, tavern had just started to lead and as soon as he led into space Hill just uh popped it out into space and just it, it looked congested from a replay angle but Hill's just too smart with it kicking and i just hope that hill and walters and those guys can get involved in that forward uh 50 entries because if it's if it's going to be delivery like that we're going to see a lot more goals and we're just seeing from training that's what they want to do put the ball into the hot spot and even uh, I think the carrier was Crozier or Neil just had the smarts to um, put it to path at the uh, top of the goal. So we're just quick look around. It looks like those experienced guys now know where everyone is. And there was a couple of uh, skill errors from others kicking the ball here and there. Um, but in general, I think we've got some smart users of the footy feeding our forwards.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, the other player you mentioned earlier, Seppo, with uh, Clancy Percy, he certainly, um, like looked a lot better than obviously he did last year. He still seems to be just taking that little bit of hesitation, sort of a couple of times there, he could have moved the ball on a little bit quicker, maybe he was just being a little bit more deliberate with his kicking and uh, trying making sure he didn't turn the ball over. But uh, it was good to see him get quite a few touches out there. The other probably interesting point, uh, Seppo, out of that game was the fact that all off-season we've sort of heard Chris Mayne will be uh, playing sort of, and he's been in all the games and training that I've seen is that he's sort of gone to the defensive group and, uh, yeah, the first pre-season game, he's back in, the, in the, with the forward, so it was quite an interesting setup. Mm, up uh, I
1: suppose he's uh, just done that to add the string to the bow with the uh, training, but where required, he's obviously done most of his work up forward and has a forward pressure, but it might be hard for him to get a spot. So at the moment, if I'm drawing up a best 22, I'm not sure if I'll have Main in, maybe depending on, you know, if you get some of these people like Ibbotson or Duffield and the other guys, not available for round one. Maine could probably sl- slot him to the side, but at the moment, I think he's just going to do a bit more or maybe show a bit in his next two games um, that he does have a player because there's so many other guys pressing for spots now. It's He's the type of player that could quite easily lose their spot or be on that fringe and sort of come in, in and out of the side every week.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't think anyone, including himself, I think in his sort of interview today, said that he didn't have a great year last year. And obviously... He had that limited preseason. I think he had a number of ailments last year, and obviously didn't play sort of anywhere to the level he did in 2013. But I think he's still at his best, would definitely be in our best 22. And obviously, obviously Lyon values the defensive pressure he puts on. But you know, as you said, he just needs to probably be a little bit more consistent and get back to closer to that form we saw in 2013. Um, just for him to make sure he definitely cements his spot, but. I think the other important thing for him, Seppo, is the fact that he does give us that flexibility. So if something does happen down back or, you know, he's one of those swing players that we actually can use in forward and defence. And I think for that reason alone, he'll certainly be, um, I think he'll certainly slot into the 22 at the start of the year.
1: Mm. I suppose this is when you're looking at, you you need 25 or 26 capable players to really go right through the season. You know, most sides use about 30 um, or 32, I think, on average um, throughout the year. So, you know, he's going to be called on. He's not a hack. He can play really well and offers a lot to the team in terms of our forward pressure and crashing packs. But you just wonder if he is the best fit and, and the chemistry and structure with everyone else in there. And is it forward or is it going to be back because we're just short of options down there? So it's going to be interesting come, you know, round one if he's putting his hands up. And I think, you know, looking at the past few years, there's not too many changes they'll do between the last NAB challenge game, which we'll have against the Eagles, and uh, the start of round one. So hopefully it does enough to uh, show that he's worth to the team. And um, I'm sure this first NAB challenge isn't really... I know a lot of people overanalyzing on the board today, reading through the uh, game day thread. You um, could definitely see players were either being told... To, to take it easy or not to go in too hard or some players probably making the decision not to go in too hard but it was just interesting to see a player like Clancy Pierce, who in the past is known for his cannonball like um you know throwing into the contest to shirk a couple of <laughs> contests against some of the Melbourne players and even players like Sheridan that would usually go in quite hard he was um sort of drifting around the outside of the pack playing more outside and on the wing and even some players like DeBoer and Main, I think, just took it a bit easy. And there was two players that didn't, and that was Spur and Silvani. And that shot, or <laughs> well, in the first few minutes with Spur uh, coming off of the blood rule, he he likes to do that once every uh, three or four weeks. And Silvani was just solid. The way he kept close to his forwards, I think he had Hogan for a bit, kept him quiet, um, and just seemed to uh, just enjoy or just love a crash of a pack and Thank God we've got him out there. We can cover for guys like Dawson or Johnson if they're not available early on.
0: Yeah, I think, um well, Silvani from, you know, even, you know, all his training days and that sort of stuff, he only has one speed and that's full on. He doesn't know how to play any differently. But I think it was the other interesting play you brought up before uh Seppo was Sheridan. Uh, it looked like Ross Lyon was sort of experimenting and he was sort of playing down back quite a bit yesterday. Mm. Um, and maybe whether they're trying to see if Sheridan can sort of take that role that Sutcliffe plays down there and maybe see if they can move Sutcliffe further up the ground because uh, obviously Sutcliffe does have an elite running ability and he's you know obviously can generally use the ball extremely well. So you know, it's just interesting to see um, Sheridan used in that role a bit yesterday and it'll be interesting to see in the next couple of games whether Sheridan um, continues in that role or they move him back further up the ground.
1: I think people are being uh, quite critical on him he 's uh, one of my favorites, but I think he 's got that role on the wing or on the outside where he uses a bit of pace and people expect him to to go bury himself in there and get his own ball but he he 's on the outside to be the you know the receiver or the the person that has not as many disposals but hopefully uses it well when we stream forward and he showed a couple of signs of that and uh I think he 's similar and he's a player that could almost replace Daniel Pierce on the side and i don 't know if they He started on the outside of the square on the wings um, a lot during the uh, centre bounces and and played a bit like you said off half back and it just enabled Suck to sort of stream up the middle a bit more and get more linking in the play. But it's um, yeah, good options to have players like both Suckliff and Sheridan that are great users of the footy and can go pretty hard in a straight line in terms of speed. They both look good.
0: Yeah, the young you know, it's probably you know a couple of chances for some of those sort of as you said, players just on the fringe of the 22, Seppo, to sort of put their foot forward yesterday, and, you know, Sheridan would be one, DeBoer would be another, you know, you can't really sort of comment on Tanner Smith or Blakely, because they really didn't get a lot of time, but those other two guys, were, you know, who and probably Clancy Pierce was another one, you know, guys who haven't really quite cemented themselves in that sort of 22, and you were sort of probably, I think most people probably on the board, and you know, even to myself to a degree, were probably trying to see if, you know, to expect a little bit more, and, um, uh, Probably the worst, You know, the thing that stood out was probably the decision-making of some of those guys. They just wasn't, you know, they ran, ran to the right spots of quite a few times, but they just didn't use the ball or make good decisions when they got there, and it was probably a little disappointing, and you'd have to think that those guys will need to step up a little bit more if they want to give themselves a chance, considering we had the likes of Dawson, Sandalins, Fife, you know, Daniel Pearce, those sort of players not playing yesterday. Um it will certainly, um, they'll certainly need to step up a bit more if they want to sort of try and get in that 22 before round one.
1: I think someone explained it well on the board, but I reckon for the first competitive here, it was hot. You know, the hands would have been a bit slippery and greasy and just a bit, you know, blowing, blowing steam early on. There's players like Barlow and even Mundy that fluffed a couple of kicks. And in Ballantyne was pretty quiet. I'm not sure if he got his hands in did too much with the ball either. So um, there there wasn't too many players other than Hill and Walters that were very, very clean with their disposal. I think Crozier was another one that was quite clean by foot. Um, But you can see even players like Johnson and everything, even though he's missed a bit, they're they're just starting to shake it off. And I think you can be more uh, critical once we get to the second and third games on some of these players. But you just hope that they do get the opportunity to show something in the next two.
0: Yeah, you'd have to think next week Ross Lyon would be taking a much younger squad they're over to uh, mm. Sydney, you'd have to think that a lot of those McFarlane, Pav, probably even Mundy to a degree, I think. I don't think many of those sort of players who are, you know, edging 28-plus type players, I don't think any of those will probably travel. I'd be surprised. And, uh, you know, Sydney never really take the preseason seriously. So it could be a bit of a nil or draw that next week. But um, We'll say that at the moment.
1: I'm just having a having a look at the halftime scores with Sydney and Brisbane and Brisbane are leading 6 forty three to Sydney's 3 twenty two. So you're right with Sydney not taking it seriously. And I think they've done that in the last few years, the same with us. So um, I'm sure, I think even Ross mentioned that some players like Ibbotson and Fife will probably come back in to have a run and, and can't imagine Sandy. Maybe he might. Um, yeah, but it's just interesting, the players that he's missed, a similar squad. squad, who comes out and... Will the other young players like Weller, who's been doing quite well, get the chance to uh, um, make a trip over and, and you know, put his skill set in front of the uh, coaching panel? To yeah, the I session.
0: know. I know. Last week, Seppo, you were talking about having a few sneaky bets, but betting against Sydney in the preseason is just about guaranteed dollars every time. <laughs> they mm. just—they just, you know, just know that they're not going to go out there and give it any sort of shake, and then. Uh, You know, interesting, like, a lot of people write, you know, say, oh, if you get good pre-season form, but Sydney seem to buck the trend every year. But, you know, you do, as I said, you do want to see it as, you know, get your uh, side going as best you can because we do have a pretty tough start to the year and, obviously, uh, if we can get all our guys up and running as best as possible between now and then, that would be uh, ideal for Lyon and the coaching staff. Did anyone else sort of stand out for you yesterday? Is there having, like, you know, in particular, like uh, with just the way they use the ball or... Any, any other part of it, Teppo, at all?
1: Well, one thing that I did pick up on um, was probably Subin and this new interpretation of the holding the ball rule. Um, I suppose it's just in his nature to try and take people on and burrow through once he picks up the ball. But he is going to be our most uh, pinged player with freeze against for holding the ball this year if he's getting games because he just seems to take that extra few seconds or think he can uh, break stride and break through people. Um, and the umpires are going to be right on top of that and start to ping him because there was a a lot of calls for prior opportunity and holding the ball because as as soon as you've got it, if you're pretty much tackled and the ball, you're not disposing out of it straight away. You're continuously moving and trying to get it on the boot. They um, seem to be pinning it this year, so I reckon Subin's one that just must think he's superhuman or can bend time and space, like guys like Barlow and Pendlebury and all those types, but he's just, uh, he's got a lovely, when he's in space and he can break free, he's very good, but I think he gets caught too much, and I don't know what you can do to change it, but um, yeah, you've got to admire his um, ability to get in there and go hard.
0: I mean, that's one thing, uh, I think Subin's probably been that leading category against holding the ball, you know, for even the last couple of years, as you said, he does tend to... He just doesn't disguise it very well either. Every time he's sort of on the pack, he you know he just looks like a model um, sort of person for giving away that you know demonstrating how to give away a holding the ball decision. But um, as you said, I thought he was one of our best in the first half yesterday, and obviously did show some good form as well in the pre season game. So I think for him, it's just a matter of putting it together for four quarters. And you know, the third quarter yesterday was pretty disappointing in terms of coming out and the way they play. But at the same time. It's hard to take a bit of a stretch away. I know that people are talking about how like Harry O and that sort of thing were playing well in the third quarter. And granted, they were, but Ross Lyon pretty much allowed them to too. There was, you can see, there was no real defensive pressure, and there's no way that um, if they started off like that in the third quarter, Ross Lyon would leave players like Harry um, Harry O or Labumba or whatever you want to whatever you want to call him these days. Um, like free in that running across half back there, he would have just locked him down. You know, with... I
1: suppose those their stats were padded almost as much as Hill's stats were padded because I don't think Hill would get that type of uh, luxury and free space because there was certainly no hard tag from Melbourne really being applied to to anyone really out there. So I suppose they're more worried about their own ball and footy and not really running with guys like Hill. And So as once Fife's out there as well, that's another person for opposition to watch, so uh, the one thing that did pick up as well, I noticed, with the ruck options is I'm really liking Clark over Griffin. I know Griffin probably hasn't the best pre-season and Clark's probably been nominated a couple of times for training the house down in certain sessions. he, uh, He done quite well on the hip. I know Griffin sort of won the number in terms of 16 to 14, but I reckon Clark looked to have the better leap in the ruck and probably taps to advantage. He actually... You, you could see what they were trying to do with the, the reverse tap behind and then the second dish out handball to the very back and off they go. I think Clark was more proficient at the tapping and his ability to run around the ground and, and put on more pressure where Griffin seemed to struggle and I think he gave away a couple of free kicks around here and there and, and probably didn't get too much of it in terms of around the ground like Clark got involved.
0: Yeah, I think um, I think it's pretty obvious that Clark would definitely probably be the preferred option, you would think, for uh, teeing up with Sandilands. He just mm-hmm. gives us a little bit different. And unfortunately for Griffin, um, if he doesn't get the tap, he doesn't really offer a huge amount around the ground by comparison mm-hmm. to Clark. And um, as you said, even that defensive pressure and that sort of stuff. I mean, that's not to say Clark certainly hasn't got room to improve, but mm-hmm. as you said, if you're going head-to-head, you'd have to certainly give the um, points to Clark at this point. And uh, I mean, you just wonder if
1: they go... Clark as number one ruckman and put Sandy in the forward line at full forward or if they put the other way around and I don't know these days exactly how they're named or positioned but certainly the uh, Clark and Sandlands combo is a good one to run with but you just wonder what that means in terms of positioning with the rest of the tools around the ground.
0: Yeah I think it will also come down as you said to how they line up you'd have to think if they go with uh, Pav and Tabena because Tabena sort of gives you more that running forward and I mean he does run good patterns he does have the ability to, an elite tank to run all day. So you'd think he'd be that sort of pushing out and then you'd have Pav running from probably the thirty out to the fifty you know, fifty five metre mark where he can certainly slot him and then you have Sandy down in the goal square there or Clark. I mean Clark showed at times last year he can lead, you know, particularly in that Derby. He played very, very well, but he just doesn't hasn't put it, been able to put it together, you know, for for more than one sort of one or two weeks and Hopefully now that he's got over that um, the music festival thing and uh, <laughs> his knees back to normal, he should be able to uh, have a much more consistent year than last year. I think even in the final last year, he played with a uh, punctured lung or something similar or or punctured rib or, you know, broken rib or something. He had some injury anyway. So, um, yeah, I think there's certainly signs there. But as you said, you just want to hope that some of those fringe players for us do stand up a little bit more. So, because I think that's where that improvement's going to come from, you know. We just need some of those guys to be sort of pushing those guys like Crowley, Pierce, who are starting getting on a bit in age. We've got to have someone looking ready to take their spots, and uh, hopefully, as you said, the likes of Blakely and those sort of blokes will be given a bit more of a run this week against Sydney. Mm,
1: it's quite interesting, even when you think about it, who we're missing: um, Sandlands, Fife, Daniel Pierce, Crowley, Dawson. There's, if it's, there's there's quite a few that miss this game that you just wonder are they, how many they're actually going to bring back in and who's actually going to be ready to go for round one? Because you think, I can't imagine a player that hasn't had any preseason season games is just going to rock up into the round one side. So you just hope that um, these guys get right into it and um, you guys like Atness may be dropped and they might be trying someone else for... For next week, and um, yeah, I suppose you can kind of get an idea like the emergencies of, emergencies of Duffy, Hanneth, and Gray. I'm not sure if they're going to be tested out or flown across or given their chance, but it once again it'd be harder for those guys to stake a claim for round one because they're just there for depth. And probably all three of those might be listed as emergency a lot during the year because that's sort of where they sit at the moment. So, yeah, um, just be interesting what they do going forward.
0: All yeah. right. I'm pretty sure I can guarantee you, Seppo, if Sandlands or Fife come up and say, we haven't played pre-season, but I'm ready to go, uh, (laughs) Ross Lyon might just be able to slide them into the 22.
1: Just maybe. Maybe (laughs) they're exempt. But uh, certainly (laughs) they've got, I think they still need to have a run. I don't know if we've got the timing because we've got um, Sunday the 15th is our game against uh, Eagles. Sorry, Sydney in Sydney. Um, and then there's another cup. I think there's right until the very, very last NAB Challenge game, March the twenty second is the West Coast three hundred one. So it's basically week on week. So nothing until the fifteenth Sunday, and then another Sunday after that. So yeah, I you mean, just think uh, by that Eagles game, the March twenty second, um, that Fife and and Sandlands have both had at least a run.
0: Yeah, I think. Um, well, I mean, I would. I think if it was round one this week, Fife would have played. You know, even if you look at the you know, it's been over three weeks since he ha- did the uh, injury and, um, you know, if even if you're looking at normal sort of timetable, that would be about right to go. So I think they've done the right thing in sort of just putting him in cotton wool but um, I don't think there'll be any doubt that he'll probably play. If he doesn't play next week, he'll certainly play in the in the um, game against the Eagles and uh, in the last pre- NAB Cup game and uh, Sandlins will probably be the same. I'd be surprised if he um, travels. And, and it'll be just interesting to see if they maybe give the likes of someone like to go next week as well in Sydney and just to sort of see what happens with that. So it'll be interesting to see the lineup up they go with next week for sure. Yeah. All right, Seb, so anything else you want to bring up, mate, before we uh, move on to the contract news? Uh,
1: nothing really. It was, um, yeah, just great to see a win come through and, um, yeah, quite happy with that first hit out and the fact that none of these injuries look really major. So hopefully Duffy pull, pulls up and we've got nine, ten days before our next game, and maybe they might just do the smart thing and, and rest all three of those guys that were injured unless they miraculously pull up and, and need the, the match fitness. It will be just great to see them maybe put on ice and, and know more.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And obviously a bit of contract news this week with two uh, key re-signings for Fremantle, Seppo, with uh, Zach Dawson and also Tendai Mzungu uh, signing on.
1: Yeah, well, it's great to see Dawson's extended his contract out at 2017, so... He's he's part of the group to sort of um, get nice long extension and uh, Mzungu's out to 2016. So I think it's about right for him at his age and I suppose Dawson's um, um, really enjoying his time here and um, Mzungu, I suppose, now getting older. I think he's getting on 29 or getting um, a bit older now, just like me, and uh, he's um, probably going to get to the stage where those guys go year-on-year contract extensions and I think that's pretty smart because we've still got quite a few heaps of, um, players uh, left out coming out of contract at the end of this year and when you're looking through the next list the next sort of important ones other than I suppose potential retirements in Pavlich Sandlands and McFarlane you go down you've got Duffield, um, Crowley, Sheridan, Clark, Crozier those guys are sort of the next sort of important players all coming out of contract at the end of this year and even guys like Tabiner you think sooner or later he's going to get a, a good couple of deal and, and a player like Tabiner I'd Get him out to 2018 or 17, and give him a good couple of years to, to make sure we got good coverage.
0: Yeah, I think the um, I think you said a couple of those key young players. I think will be I think the likes of Duffield and that probably A wouldn't leave Rio and B, um, you know, they they know the club will look after them. I think the um, ones that will be sort of chased by other clubs will be the likes of Crozier, Sheridan, uh, Tabner, those sort of blokes. So they're the ones they definitely need to. Uh, try and get on board as sooner rather than later. I don't think there'll be a major issue, particularly, as you said, if those guys are given time um, to sort of develop. Um, you know, Sheridan would want to start um, being to push in that top 22 spot about now, um, this year. So hopefully he will be able to take that next step. But uh, as you said, those other guys, they certainly will probably want to lock him up sooner rather than later. Yep. All right, anything, Seppo, on the board this week or anything else that you want to bring up before we finish up for this week?
1: No, other than the fact that it's, um, yes, yeah, the countdown's on to the start of uh, round one, and if you haven't actually signed up for a free membership and you're listening, make sure you uh, get on board, because all clubs are sort of pushing for membership, and um, it'll be great, because we, we're getting closer to overtaking the Eagles, so it'll be a great day when we can uh, surpass the Eagles for membership, and I think we're getting closer to the 50,000, so even if you're interstate member, get on board and buy whatever type of uh, membership suits your level there. And, um, yeah, really looking forward to fortunately, won't be able to get up to the uh, Sydney game and I'll just have to wait for round two down in Geelong to finally watch the first game live. So looking forward to it. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, now a long wait to the start of the season.
0: Yeah. It'd be a nice rare change for me to actually be able to go and see both games round one and two live this year. So it'd be nice to get down to the Cattery and, uh, have a look down there and, uh, and I said, hopefully uh, the boys will come out and uh, be firing up. So that's uh, we'll leave it this week for now, and obviously we'll um, bring it back next week when uh, after maybe the Sydney game, and we'll uh, sort of dissect that, and hopefully we'll see some of these uh, young fringe 22 best players uh, continue to push for a spot, Seppo.
1: That's it, and uh, we'll uh, speak to you all next time.
0: All right, and oh, just one quick thing, Seppo, before we go. Is there any... Um, Competitions in terms of the footy tipping, draft, fantasy or anything like that that has hasn't—that we need to uh, let the people know about what's happening on the big footy board?
1: Yeah, we're still a couple of uh, league spots short to fill League 1 for the super coach. So hit up me if you want to join up that. Uh, there'll be some big footy tipping coming on soon. I think we're going to roll around the comp from next year. So um, keep an eye out for that. And there's some couple of other fantasy leagues. And I think someone's got a draft league going as well. So if you're interested have a look at all the uh, labels tag competitions on our board and you'll be able to find them and um, get involved.
0: All right, thanks. For that. So they're to just obviously uh, either send him a PM or uh, just up, look out for it on the board. And that's it for this week. Frank Fremantle once again continuing to uh, go on their merry way and, as I said, collect an 18-point win and hopefully we'll see a little bit more polish next week and uh, see those guys sort of implementing those sort of new game patterns that they're trying to implement and keeping the ball a little bit more and... Uh, transferring the ball a little bit more quickly. So that's it for this week, and we'll catch you next week. Bye for now.